Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, I'm back from a summer sail, and I've got to tell you about it. To really go into much detail about this, I need to go tell a story about a previous point in my life. And this may sound off topic a little bit, but I'm going to go ahead and talk about this experience that I had. Years ago, a friend and I, I should say a partner and I, owned a business harvesting brine shrimp on the Great Salt Lake. And part of the process was every morning we had to go send a plane up and fly over the lake and spot the slicks of brine shrimp eggs that had accumulated on the surface of the lake and then radio down to our crew, which was on the lake, in the vessels. And we had three vessels. We really only used two. Well, I guess we, we really only used two vessels, a speedboat and then the harvesting boat. And the speedboat would be directed to the slick from the air. And the first company that got on the slick could claim the slip. So it was imperative that we get a a good pilot up in the air and spot the uh, slicks of brine shrimp egg before the other competitors did. And there were 10 companies out there doing the same thing we were doing. We went through several pilots, but one pilot was particularly good. He was a young man in his early 20s. I think he was 20 or 21 years old when he came to us. He was very respectful. He was, his, his goal was to become a naval aviator. And he had done everything in his life to prepare for that. He had got his private pilot's license, and what he wanted from us was to increase the number of hours that he spent in the air, and we were able to provide him quite a few hours because we would send him up in the morning and then possibly later in the afternoon if we had the time to go try to gather another slick. So he wanted airtime, and he was very respectful. He was going to school. He was going to the University of Utah and studying aeronautical engineering and doing everything right. He showed up every morning and did his job wonderfully. We didn't have to worry about him. He showed up. He flew the lake. He communicated well with our crew on the lake. And things were going along great until one day he didn't show up. And, of course, we have a crew on the lake, so I don't remember exactly what we did, but somehow we got another pilot in the air. And the next day he didn't show up. We call him. He doesn't answer his phone. And this goes on for several days. And then one day we get a strange call from him, and he left it on our voicemail. And he said, hey, Franz and Ken, I've got uh, I got some great information for you. I've learned how to lock up the brine ship supply on the Great Salt Lake and it went something like this, email $100,000 into my bank account and I'll tell you all about it. We shook our heads, scratched our head, and we got a few more strange calls like this. And then one day we get a call from his mother 
And she says, have you heard from, and I won't mention his name. And I said, yes, we've had a couple strange calls, but he hasn't shown up to work for several days. And we're a little worried about him. And we're wondering what we have to do as far as a pilot goes. And she said, I've been getting strange calls from him as well. And I've been trying to find him. We haven't been able to find him. We're really worried about him. So I related this story to my friend Roger, who I played chess with every Monday night. And he was a psychiatrist, not a psychiatrist, psychologist. And he said, what age is him? And he asked me a few other questions. He says, well, what I suspect is happening is he is uh, developing manic depression. And right now he's in a mania stage. He says, this time of the life of an individual is when these psychological problems start to show themselves in the early 20s. And, well, we did have to eventually replace him and find another pilot, and he was able to get some help, and he went into a hospital and probably after that went on drugs that controlled the manic depression, the mania and the depression that follows it. And I've had friends that have had this, and I had one friend who in a, who they changed the drugs for him, didn't keep him in the hospital for observation overnight, and went home and, and killed himself. So I'm familiar with the problem. Well, this summer, my big plan for the summer was to move the boat from Almiramar, Spain, to the Canary Islands. And... I had a few people that wanted to go with me. This was not a summer for my typical guests, my typical clients, because this was going to be five days of offshore sailing, uh, a lot of work to put the boat in the water. And I wanted to have a crew that would actually help me with the work to get the boat in the water. I had one person from this podcast that reached out to me and was interested. And, and after further conversations with him he decided it really wasn't going to work out for him so i was really down to just me and jason that's his name and jason sailed with me last year from the northern adriatic all the way to sardinia this was his first experience on a sailboat i think he was 20 years old or 19 years old he joined me and my mentor mike seedall on this trip and he had a great time he wrote me a really nice note thanking me for the experience and asking me to let him know of any other opportunities that came along and when I told him about this opportunity he really wanted to come and he committed to coming out and helping me get the boat in the water I had a lot of projects to get done this year because this is in preparation for the Atlantic crossing So, I mean, I've got a list. I'll probably go through it with you because these are things that you need to think about on your boat when you're putting it in the water every year. Uh, I wanted to change the impeller. That's a standard thing we do every year. And when we changed the impeller, we looked at the belt, the V-belt, and it needed to be replaced as well. We needed to change the cutlass bearings. We needed to grease the through-hauls and make sure the through-hauls were working. We needed to check the water strainer. And last year I scraped the bottom of the boat when I came in to get some some fuel. There was a very shallow area in the marina, and it wasn't showing on the charts. And I scraped the bottom of my, my keel just a little bit, so I needed to 
repair the epoxy and repaint with bottom paint that little area that I scraped. We needed to remove the rudder and refinish the cheeks. They were looking very aged. In fact, I wanted to replace the cheeks, but I could not find the wood that I needed to replace the cheeks. It's very thick ash, two inch or inch and three quarter inch, inch and three quarter cheek blocks on the rudder. So we had to remove the rudder and refinish the cheeks. Also, we needed to check the Delron bushings that were in the um, the gudgeons, the, the the pindles and gudgeons. I had put Delron bushings in there initially when I launched the boat, and I thought I had worn through one of the Delron bushings, so I needed to pull off the rudder and examine the bushings and replace those if that was needed. Then I needed to replace the spray dodger, I had that being worked on all winter long. There was a good canvas shop in the marina that was doing the work for me. And he had the spray dodger on when I got to the boat, but I had to have some modifications done on that. I wanted to put solar panels up. In fact, when I left last year, I had paid a company a deposit to do some stainless steel work so I could mount a solar panel on the two sides of my cockpit. Well, that company went out of business and absconded with my deposit. It was 150 euros. Uh, so I'm, I, I'm, I'm for here on out, I'm very nervous about giving deposits on work that's not done or in this case was never done. So I lost 150 euros with that deposit. But still, I needed to have this stainless steel work done and I was looking for somebody to do that for me. I wanted to replace um, the coax that goes to my backstay antenna. I needed to replace the coax that goes up to my VHF antenna. I was thinking of replacing the stove because the stove is over well, as old as the boat is. We need to grease the winches, and we have four winches that we needed to grease. And a few other... Oh, and then I needed to replace the... Uh, I wanted to replace the injectors on the engines. The engine has a lot of hours on it. I've never replaced the injectors. I've only adjusted the valves on the engine one time. And so I wanted to adjust the valves and replace the injectors. So I took the new injectors over with me with lots of other stuff. My bag weighed 48 pounds. Mostly, almost all of it was uh, boat parts. So I had a lot of projects to do. So what happened is I flew over to Madrid. I spent a few days in Madrid getting over my jet lag. And then on the 12th of May, I flew from Madrid down to Almeria on the coast of Spain and then rented a car for a few days and drove down to Almiramar so we had a car while we were working on the boat. Also, we got an Airbnb so that we didn't sleep on the boat. We were sleeping in <laughs> a nice place to get away from the boat because when I'm working on the boat, I've got everything torn out. Tools are everywhere. It's just a mess inside the boat when I'm doing a lot of work on the boat, and it's a small boat. So Jason met me at the uh, at Almeria, and we drove down together and immediately started working about 16-hour days on the boat, and we we were doing this day in and day out. We had about three days into it, and then uh, on the next day, Jason said, "Hey, I'm not feeling very well today. I'm uh, I'm I, I might I may, might have COVID." 
And I said, well, you just relax, you take it easy. I'm going to go down to the boat and keep working on the projects that I have for the boat. So I do that. I go down, and I think that particular day I was um, I was greasing the staysail winches. Oh, one other thing I needed to have done, I needed to have a rigging inspection done for insurance purposes. So I come back at the end of that day, and Jason says, Hey, Franz, I, I, I need to talk to you. I, last night I had a panic attack and I'm afraid to go sailing, and I don't want to go sailing. And after this experience that I had when we had the brine shrimp business and the pilot develop these problems, I was sensitive to what he might be going through, and I just said, okay, Jason, don't worry about it. Uh, if you can't do it, you can't do it. Don't worry about it. Uh, I'll figure out something. And he said, but I will, I will help you get the boat in the water. And I said, great, I really appreciate that. So he was a great kid. He helped me. I mean, he worked his butt off, really worked his butt off. And uh, we got the boat, everything done. Well, not everything done. A, a lot of the things done. And we put the boat in the water and put the sails up. And I'm thinking, well, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? So I talked to my wife, and she said, well, why don't, uh, why don't you just Put it back up, and we'll go. We'll, I'll fly over, and we will do an inland trip in Spain, and that's what we ended up doing. So, I put the boat in the water. I was silly in the fact that we put up the sails because Jason helped me put up the sails, and then after I decided it made more sense not to move the boat this year, I had to take down the sails by myself. I did get a little help from the boat next to me, and we folded them up and put them away. But then I had to. Uh, take the boat out of the water and put the full cover on the boat. What I had decided, what I had thought, my initial thought process was, well, I'll just sail it down to Gibraltar so I'm at least a little closer, either to Gibraltar or up to Sevilla. Because there's a marina outside of Sevilla in the town called Galvis, which looked good, pretty good on Google Earth. But when I called the marina up, nobody there could speak English. And I thought, well, I can't go to a marina where I can't communicate because I don't speak enough Spanish to uh, to make myself understood. So uh, Sevilla was out of the question. Gibraltar, not actually Gibraltar, British Gibraltar, but the other side in Spain. There's a marina just on the other side of the the border there in Spain, which has a hard standing area. I could take it down there and pull it out of the water and put it on the hard there. But number one, it was more expensive than Almiramar. And number two, I didn't know anybody there. I'd been working out in Almiramar, and there is a great marina chandler there called Alamar Marina, or Alamar Chandlery. And there's three British guys that run this marina. And then right next to them, there's another chandler, not this marina, this chandlery. And right next to them is another chandlery ran by a French guy. And then around the corner is another chandlery run by a, a uh, Spanish man. So between the three chandleries, I could usually find whatever part I was looking for. Primarily, I went to Alamar because those guys were really helpful to me. They told me the mechanics to use. They put me in touch with a rigging inspector. They put me in touch with the Colin Dixon, the man who made my, my new spray dodger. And so they were very, very helpful. I had hoped 
over the winter that a lot of the work that I wanted to have done on the boat would be done. As it turned out, the only thing that was able to get done over the winter was uh, Colin Dixon had been able to get on the boat, take my old spray dodger off, use that as a pattern, and build me a wonderful, beautiful new spray dodger with great sun awning protection. And I'm very happy with that. However, when it was on the boat, I, I had one thing that I wanted him to put on. I wanted him to sew on a rubbing strip across the forward end of the stainless steel frame because that's where I grab onto every time I get on the boat. So that was done, uh, but nothing else was done. The, the stainless steel work, which I'd paid to have done or at least given a deposit for, was not done. And as it turns out, what I found out in talking to the people at Almar Chandlery, the man that runs the actual marina boatyard, there's a guy that seems to have uh, a shop there, another, another Chandlery inside the boatyard itself. And he pretty much controls anybody that works in the boatyard. And I was told that once I get my boat in the water, things will be a lot easier. The rigging inspector won't come into the boatyard. The diesel mechanic won't come into the boatyard. Nobody will come into the boatyard unless they sneak in after hours because the guy that runs the uh, chandlery in the boatyard, the man that pretty much can he has workers that'll basically polish your boat, but that's about the extent of his technical skills in the yard. And everybody that has the technical skills that you want uh, won't come into the boatyard because he wants basically a 20% override on any work they do, and they're not willing to do that. And I don't want to pay it either. So I was told once the boat got in the water, all these other things could be done. So we, I went ahead and launched the boat, and, uh, and like I said, I basically decided to leave the boat right in the same boat yard, and that's where it sits right now. I put it, uh, put it back out of the water. Once I got the boat in the water, I was able to find a, a great guy, a wonderful, uh, I'm thinking his name, Chris Foster or Forster, and I'm going to interview him later on because he's got a YouTube channel they're putting together. He and his wife live on their boat in the marina, and he is extremely skilled at stainless steel welding. And he had, and I just happened to be putting the slip right next to him, and I looked at his his uh, solar panels, and I said, boy, that's exactly what I, have, what I want to have done on my boat. And he said, you know what? I want to have something done different on my boat I want to build a bimini top and put my solar panels over overhead. So if you want these, I'll put these on your boat. And I said, but I need to have the stainless steel work done. And he said, well, that's what I do. Uh, I do stainless steel work and also woodwork. And I said, well, what are you going to charge me for it? And he said, well, f- well, 1,400 euros. That includes everything but the solar controllers. It included the... Um, the mounts, the stainless steel work, and the solar panels. And I said, "Uh, okay. So he spent the next two days doing all the stainless steel work, and he did an absolutely gorgeous job welding the stainless steel and connecting it to my boom gallows and putting on the new solar panels. What I had to do was once the solar panels were installed, I had to go buy the solar charge controllers and and uh, climb in my lazarette and take out my old solar charge controller 
from my previous solar panels and put in the new ones. And I want to get somebody from, from I think it's Victron. Uh, I think that's the brand I put in to come on the on the podcast and talk about solar panels and solar panel chargers at some point in time in the future because I'm not sure mine are working right. So I bought, I now have two 160-watt solar panels, uh, one on each side of the cockpit. And so I should be able to at least keep my refrigerator running during the day without running down my batteries. That was my big goal for the solar panels. Also, my anchor light at the top of the mast uh, was not working. And after doing a lot of testing at the bottom, I determined that the bulb was bad. And so Jenny Foster went to the top of the mast and replaced that bulb, and now that works. I had a rigging inspector come in, and he was a great rigging inspector. And I'll, I'm going to have an interview with him later on. He solved a couple problems that I had. When I put on my roller furling for my staysail, it never really rolled very well. But I paid to have it done professionally, so I assumed they had done it correctly. Well, as it turns out, the people in Turkey who put in my roller furling did not do a good job. They did not set the foil at the right level, so it was actually rubbing onto the roller furling and creating a lot of resistance. And he just figured that out pretty quickly. And so we pulled that out. We loosened, basically, we loosened up a screw, we pulled it up, we reset it, we put a mark around the furler on the foil right where it goes into the roller furling drum so I will know if that slides down because what had happened is that it had slid down and was rubbing on the drum creating a tremendous amount of friction. So we fixed that also at the top on both the staysail and the, uh, the jib he put in, how would I describe this? Basically, a um, a little length of of uh, what's a uh, dyneema to extend the the um, the head of the sail up so that my halyard would not have the risk of wrapping around the foil. So he fixed that for me. He gave me a good rigging inspection. I sent that off to my insurer. This is original rigging that was on the boat uh, from uh, from day one, and it and since it's hand spliced rigging, it's still in great shape. And so he gave me a big thumbs up on my rigging. He was worried about some corrosion on the painted mast, so he scraped through the uh, the bubbled paint and uh, saw that it was good solid aluminum underneath that. So he suggested that at some point in time in the future, that I pull the mast out, strip it down, and have it repainted. Uh, that's something for in the future. That pretty much sums up the summer right there. My wife flew over. We rented a car, and we spent about uh, two weeks. Uh, we spent about four days in Madrid and then another 12 days uh, driving throughout the country. And we went up and covered the part of Spain that I'd never visited before. We went up to Galicia, which is the northwest corner of Spain, and then worked our way along the coast, all the way along the northern coast of Spain, uh, over to oh, just just near Bilbao, and then came back down. Got back on uh, the 13th of June. I'm recording this on the 15th of June, and I think that's pretty much a, a report for the summer. Now, what what are my plans now? 
well, my boat's going to be at this marina until I go back in December or January and then move the boat from there on down to the Canary Islands. And I've got three crews available for the summer. I'm never going to go on the boat again without two definite crew members with me. Because I, I this summer I just trusted one crew member to go with me the full distance and that didn't work out. And there's always the possibility that somebody's going to have to back out at the last minute for reasons beyond their control. So I always want to have a commitment from two people to go sailing with me for offshore sailing. And for day hops along the coast, I don't really worry about it. I can do that myself. But for an offshore sail, I can't stay awake 24 hours a day. I know some people want to be single-hand sailors. I sort of consider that playing Russian roulette because no matter what your electronics are, what alarms you have, something can always go wrong. And probably 99% of the time it's going to be just fine, but that 1% of the time you might be ran down by another ship. So I just feel that it's best to have uh, in my boat, it's comfortable with three people, and it's comfortable for a couple reasons. Number one, the watches are broken up, so they're comfortable watches. And number two, conversation with three people is much easier than just conversations with two people. Three people make a good group for conversation. So I will be moving the boat from Almiramar out through the Straits of Gibraltar and then down to the Canary Islands probably in the last half of December or the 1st of January. It really depends on when my crews want to join me. And then from the Canary Islands, I'll take it down to Cape Verde Islands. And then from Cape Verde Islands, a big hop across the pond to uh, probably Grenada. I have openings for all three of those legs right now. My daughter has expressed an interest in joining me for the first leg. Her and her her fiance, and they would, of course, take first priority if they decide they want to join me. So if you're interested in joining me for any of those, I have a, uh, a page on the website that I need to modify now because my time schedules have changed and my destinations and starting points have changed. But that'll give you an outline of what I'm looking for. And if you have an interest in this, please write me, franz1 at medsailor.com. Also, I'm looking for other ideas that you want me to talk about. So get out there and go sailing. Thanks a lot. The website for Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond is www.medsailor.com. Again, medsailor.com. Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing. Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f***. What the f*** gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it. <laughs>